Welcome to the Lotco Business Podcast, a show all about helping you as a retailer, brand, or creative understand the actual business side of running your business. I offer straightforward, practical advice about the nitty-gritty of making money from your creative passion. We will be covering bite-sized business and marketing lessons, as well as interviews with experts and trailblazers in the fashion, homewares, and design industries. My name is Melissa Robbins. I'm a business coach, colour-loving, non-coffee-drinking Melbourneian. Let's get into it. First of all, I'd just like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of this land. I'd also like to pay respect to the elders, both past, present of the Kulin Nation, and extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples present today. I have a special guest here today, Catherine Mullet, who is a proud Gonai Kunai Monero Nigero woman. So I hope I've said that right, Catherine. Catherine has a passion to share stories and to support allies, to learn more about First Nations people, their history and support a change and a more exclusive world. Thank you for joining me here today. Thanks, Mel. You've got it very close. Uh, it is uh, Gunai Kunai. Nagario Monero, and I too would like to acknowledge the lands of which I'm calling in and on this Zoom podcast on of the Gunai Kunai people of the country that I live on. Thank you so much for being here. We've worked together for a little while now, actually. So I think I've known about your business and all the different things that you actually do. So there's quite a few things that we're going to chat about today. And I'm excited to have you share your story and share about your journey as where you've started with this product-based business and then obviously something else that you've added in now. Let's start with though Deadly Wares. That's the first point of call we can touch base on. So tell me a little about what Deadly Wares is. Yes, Deadly Wares is an allied-friendly sort of loft now. It was originally closed. We've Mm -hmm. now morphed into sort of homewares, accessories, earrings, all sorts of things now. So, yeah, but predominantly it's about allied-friendly and teaching non-Indigenous people how to access First Nations designs and businesses or opportunities, I guess, of clothing. And so why did you get started? Like, have you always been a creative? Is I know that you obviously, this is a bit of a side hustle for you as well. So, yeah, so... Got into it with a bit of a mad idea with my cousin at first. Yeah. We just caught up one day during COVID and I just knew during COVID I wanted to do more. And then I started mm-hmm. to realise that there's so many hours to the day that I was wasting. But she felt the same, I think. And we just knew we wanted to share our story more. We wanted to share more with First Nations, about First Nations people, more with non-Indigenous people. And the first place we looked at was that creative style, the creative opportunity to grow in our own creative space into clothing. And so, yeah, we came in contact when we started working with Kinaway, doing some work with Kinaway through there mm. as well. And so obviously that supports you in that startup phase as well, often that sort of group, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Kinaway is a great space. They link you in with so many services that help and support and really hard to get grants mm. globally. And First Nations people don't tend to have much of a financial backing to start off with businesses. So Kinaway kind of helps to bridge that gap. Yeah. So connecting sort of education and stuff like that too, doesn't it? And so since starting, is it two years now that Deadly Ways has been going? Yes. It's that gone fast, I'm sure. Yes, it has. Um, you, you obviously started with, as you said, clothing and, it, you know, you evolved, you've got stickers, you've got magnets, you've got, as you said, homewares, um, different things coming through. A big thing would be, you know, obviously that's impacted since you started was the ownership of the flag. So how has that impacted your brand? Yeah. So first we created a shirt that was called Taking It Back, mm-hmm. which was not having a whole flag. It was sort of an abstracted 
flag design. Mm-hmm. But since then, the ownership of being able to actually use the flag and the flag rights, and it has evolved in where we now have a lot of that on our designs. Mm-hmm. It actually was quite not disturbing, but it was really upsetting, I think, when we first realised that we couldn't actually use the flag properly. Yeah. Yeah, that that was a big thing we didn't realise when we first signed off with the business, yeah. And I think that's the thing. So many people wouldn't didn't realise at the time either, like that you couldn't, you know, that someone else obviously privately originally owned it, which was just crazy. Yep. Yeah. So that obviously, yeah, that since that has happened, you've obviously added more products to your mix where you can use the flag in your designs. Yeah, that's right. So one of our designs, we call it our always was, always will be shirt because it also outlines all the clan groups across Australia. Yes, that map is great, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so it's got the whole map and it's just trying to capture the flag in the background that represents all those people across Australia too. Yeah. And so obviously one of the questions, yeah, you mentioned there in the start, like you wanted to bring some designs that were ally-friendly so that people who were of non-Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander descent could wear it. And so I guess that's one of the things that, and and why you are very specific on your website saying that, you know, this is ally-friendly because it may be something that people don't sort of know whether they should or can or, you know, whether they can wear those things or or support non-wearing items. No, I've found what we've discovered in Australia is that a lot of Australians think that the Aboriginal items and things are over on one side and then it's sort of their side is separated. So what we really wanted to do was encourage non-Indigenous people across Australia to actually want to wear Indigenous designs to celebrate Indigenous design, art and culture. Yeah, absolutely. And that's obviously something one of your um, other popular items is like a you use other designers to help create the products as well. Yes, that's right. So we um, we look at other artists to be able to um, support and we will hopefully be branching into actually wholesaling other Aboriginal businesses' items through our shopping time as well to support other First Nations businesses. Yeah, awesome. Okay. So what is your point of difference, your unique selling point, do you think, as part of Deadly Words? Yeah, so we think... We just want to be able to create a space that is safe for all to ask those questions, like, you know, is this ally friendly, to understand more about artists, the artist story, the artwork, and to make it so it's really accessible for all. So non-Indigenous people in particular, we want to make it all accessible for them. Yeah, great. And, you know, you're buying directly from First Nations businesses means you're supporting that generational wealth as well. It's sort of that whole every dollar you spend, it can sort of spread to more and more people, can't it, as well? Completely. It can change the bracket that most First Nations people live within, which is that lower socioeconomic bracket. It could really help Mm. pull them out of that space and their ripple effect within their family and communities can be significant and shouldn't be underestimated. Yeah. Okay. And so what does your business look like now? Like for Deadly Wares in particular, we'll just stick, stick with that at the moment. I know that you do frequent like lots of markets. I've um, visited at you at a few of those. And where is that? Yeah. Where do you sell? What's the business look like? Yeah. So at the moment, it's primary online. We are looking at getting some stock lists coming up, which is really fantastic to sort of start getting our first wholesalers. Mm-hmm. in the door but yeah you know mostly markets now so we're just really trying to understand what the market out there wants from us yeah and going to as many markets as possible helps us to understand what people are after yeah and it often is different like what you sell online what you sell at markets what you sell wholesale can be completely different you know best sellers type of thing yeah it is interesting to watch yeah see what people are drawn to and I guess every different market you go to as well is going to be completely different because I know you're at finders keepers then you're at you know you're obviously local you know regional markets like they're all different aren't they um, what people are going to respond yeah. to at each one yeah and what we think did really well at a previous market can be a total flop 
the next market we go to. Like, like, oh, no. Didn't see that. (laughs) What's going on? Just when you first started Deadly Wares, what are some of the things, or since you first started, what are some of the things that you think, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that at the start or, or, you know, what are some learnings you've had since you first got going? Yes. So I would say pricing was the biggest one and understanding our margins of price, which we had Mm -hmm. ultimately we had no background in business when we started yep. our business. We had no understanding. <laughs> we didn't really understand what market we wanted to target. We just thought yep. we'll go for the general person, so like the average person like ourselves. Yeah. So we priced all of our items at start to that. Okay. So what you would pay for things or? Yeah. It's a very common mistake. It's very common. <laughs> all the people telling us that oh, I wouldn't pay that much for a shirt, all yeah. those kind of seedings and we're like, yeah. but we didn't, didn't realise they're not our target market. So why were we mm. listening to them in the first place about what they would mm. buy? 90% of the time that was my mum. And my mum, bless her, is a bit stingy with money. So, <laughs> But it's true because, yeah, if they're not your target market and people do listen to family and friends, of course, because when you're starting out, you're sort of trying to get feedback and figure it out. And I, you know I do say this a lot to people, you know, you've got to be able to make a profit from the business to keep the business going. So otherwise you end up just giving things away for what you've paid for them almost. So yeah, so you've obviously evolved your understanding of pricing and then set it at what needs to, you know, based on what the costs are essentially, not just a adding a percentage or adding a little bit of extra on the top. Yeah. Like your pricing tool that we got from your workshop basically mm. opened my eyes up to how bad mm. our margins were. <laughs> <laughs> And no wonder the business was like, you know, well, we kept feeling like we're sinking money into the business to get to the next sale, mm. to try and do the next product. Yeah. And we're so focused on trying to get more and more product lines. We really didn't focus in on what we had already got online. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. did that well. Yeah. It's all learnings. And we're, like you said, we're only about two years in. Yeah. Got a long way to go, but we're doing well now. And that's the difference. Like we have started to understand all those things. Yeah, that's good. And also I think one of the things that I know um, about your business, because I was obviously working with you in that close format, is that even your suppliers, like some of those were probably more middlemen suppliers, if you could say, Mm -hmm. in terms of they weren't for a brand, so to speak. They're more like if you're just getting a 10 T-shirts printed or something like that. So having the right suppliers... We're so And now we've actually just found a new supplier who also offers fair trade shirts, which feeds into everything as well that we do because, you know, we, we yep. want to care for country, we want to look after country. About a country, whether it's in our, on our country or mm-hmm. another country, is about caring for the people as well. So yep. to be able to buy shirts now that are going to be and move all of our items over to fair trade is a really mm-hmm. big thing for us. I really look forward to that transition. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's, you know, it's sticking with what your values are and being true to what you want to, what represent as a brand. And those values are what matter. And we were so pleasantly surprised that the price margins are really quite where we needed them to be as well. So it it just was like, all right, this is actually a really great opportunity and a really great sign for us for a business. Yeah. And I think, as you say, like continuing to evolve that, like it's okay to start off in one way, then keep looking at things and going, well, can I get it better? Or if I'm going to start wholesaling and I can get that volume up, can I get a slightly better deal with my supplier or negotiating those things too? And yeah, understanding those things that you don't just get one and stick with it and that's it. Nope, that's it. Just keep looking. (laughs) (laughs) Keep looking. And obviously, as you evolve too, as you said, you get in different people interested in different things. So it's like, okay, well, we can 
add this to our product mix, but making sure that it's still aligned with who you want to be. So not just adding things for the sake of it, but making sure that they fit into that. Who is Deadly Wears? What's our message or what story do you want to tell and do our products fit that? 100%. And I think we're still working through that is the honesty of it. Like I said at the start, we really didn't focus in We sort of knew why we were doing things, but we didn't really understand the full why. Yeah. And I think we're still trying to work that out, but we know what we don't want, I guess, is the point. And we know Mm -hmm. where we don't want to be. So it's about really understanding the clear vision of where we want to be and why we want to be there. Yeah. So that's really important part of it. And yeah, you just continue to evolve and you, you work hard on as well, getting out to more people. And that's another thing too. Like you're trying to get new audiences all the time. You're getting in front of people, testing different markets, testing different, you know, locations, really seeing where people respond to your product. Hello lovely, if you're looking for a way to grow your product business without relying on Facebook ads or posting daily on social media, then I invite you to register for my free masterclass. This is happening very, very soon and inside of this masterclass, I'm sharing the strategy behind building a profitable product-based business so you can attract consistent customers and scale to six figures and beyond. I also emphasize how to create a sustainable long-term business, which is such an important factor for me. I'm so excited to be teaching this masterclass soon. So make sure you go and register for your free spot by heading to the link in the show notes below. Yeah, it's really important because we've definitely had a few markets of totally sales. Mm-hmm. And being regionally based, it is a long way for me to yeah. get anywhere. Like it is easily a four-hour drive anywhere to get into the city. So to make sure that we get into a market that is meaningful and is going to be of value to us is really important. Yeah. But also though different ones to understand the value of our market. So yeah, we've failed a few times on a couple long drive markets, but that's okay. I won't go back to them, basically. Yeah. But it's a long day and I have to do those long days because I have to commit to being home with my family and spend yeah. as much time as I can with my family and meet the best balance I can to do all of that. So yeah, I do long hour days where it might be a five hour market with two, four hour drives, which is madness. I know. Epic. But it does mean I wake up next day in my house and I get to spend the breakfast and my time with my kids on that single day. So that's Yeah, we haven't even touched on it. You also have two kids as well that you're... um... (laughs) I thought... And a husband. And a husband is incredibly supportive. But still, you're, you know, like just that coordination of, as you said, you know, your your job and two other side hustles. I think you're doing an amazing job of, you know, sharing your message. So that's really, that's really good. Thank you. Going back to Jambies, I saw on your Instagram that you'd just been in Queensland. And what were you attending up there? I saw that you took the family up there and, yeah, share with me where you went for that. Yeah. So part of our journey through the business, we've actually come to realize that we're a social enterprise. And I joined the Victorian Social Enterprise Network recently. And part of that, they actually supported us to go to Brisbane to attend the World Social Enterprise Forum, which was a pretty deadly forum, actually. Like There were people globally attending and coming into Brisbane. It was probably the first big event I've been to in a long time post-COVID as well. But you got to experience and see so many different businesses, see what the world is doing, see what the where social enterprises are leading the world. And then they had all these great breakout rooms and it was amazing. I've never not really frequently get to go to conferences. So it was just really deadly to see this. And there were so many First Nations businesses and people on panels and platforms and just speaking about it. It was really great to just fill the cup up and meet other First Nation businesses that I've talked to before that are across Australia. But, you know, they might be in Perth or Darwin or something. And I 
you can't get to them anytime soon, but they were all in one place. So it was just great great to that network. Yeah. I said to you before we started recording, just that whole taking your kids along and just showcasing, you know, what work you're doing too and, you know, what impact you're having. I think that's such a great message to be able to take them along to that sort of stuff too. I mean, not necessarily to the actual conference, but, you know. (laughs) I'm sure they would be very detaining at the conference for everyone else. But uh, no, it was just lovely. Like, Dunsey's, I've got a really great husband and partner in life and he just supports me and the kids. And if we got the opportunity to pay for them to come along with me to work functions and work times, it is important because it does allow me to still have my family there. Mm. It allows me to have my family and my kids involved and can see what mum's doing. And it was just such a fantastic opportunity to go to Brisbane on a family holiday. Mm. Yeah, I loved it. Tell me about the name Deadly Wears. What does it actually mean, Catherine? Yeah, so Deadly is a slang word within First Nations people across Australia and like deadly just like means amazing, awesome, wicked, sweet, pretty cool. Okay. And it, it just worked when we put it down on paper. Yeah. It captures the whole essence of what you wanted the brand to be. Yeah. 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 And we're seeing a lot more non-Indigenous people using the word deadly. And we think yeah. it's just, you know, it's people are more wanting to capture and bring in those connectable to First Nations. Yeah. Great. Okay, I love it. Obviously, this is only, Deadly Words is only one of your side hustles. It's only one aspect of everything else you do. You're obviously, you're all, not obviously, but you are also a full-time employee. You're general manager on country and Guna, sorry, I'm going to say this. Uh, this is part of it, isn't it, Catherine? I just yeah. don't know how to pronounce this properly. And so this is the whole thing, like learning how to say it, learning the language in it, and being able to speak it in a way that obviously is accurate. So I'm going to try that again. Ghanai Kurnai Aboriginal Land and Water Corporation. That's it. Did I get it right that time? You did. You did really okay. well. I'm getting better. Okay. But this is the thing. So obviously your full-time role, you've got Deadly Wares, and then you've started another business. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes. So the second business, well, sort of, I guess, understanding more about Deadly Wares and the market and the opportunities out there, really mm. identified that there was another gap within the market. And I think that there's a lot of people wanting to learn again more about First Asians people, about that truth-telling, who they are, you know, what community thinks and feels and you know, understand that they didn't learn much at school. So we actually started a business called Jambies. And Jambies in Ghanaian language means friends. So we wanted to create friends through this platform because we think to be really a strong future for Australia is for us to be strong allies. And that really means for us to all be friends. Absolutely. So what is it actually like? How can you educate people more? How can they educate themselves or support more First Nations businesses? Yeah, so Jambies is based on the platform that provides all of that. So the other thing what we learned was there's a lot of information out there, but there's a lot of mistruths as well. Yeah. Um, and people are really concerned about what kind of resources they're reading, what sort of resources are they accessing, what businesses are they purchasing from, are they actually a First Nations-owned business, or are they yeah. what you consider a black-faced business, which is a business that isn't actually Aboriginal presents as if it is First Nations designed or, mm. or sort of. So there's a lot of bush food businesses out there that present as non as Aboriginal businesses, but they're actually non-Indigenous owned. So yeah, okay. Jambies is about creating a resource where all of that background and research has already been done. So everything you know you purchase from us either A, goes towards First Nations artists through royalties, goes back to First Nations like business, yep. or it goes back to like, uh, you know, it's got research. Uh, sorry, 
resources that are concerned from an Indigenous perspective to help try and challenge how we think and see stories around colonisation, everything to do with Australia. But it also, on top of that, provides you with an online platform where you can go to present online. Yeah. And it, it just talks about really simple subjects for the first year. At the moment, you can sign up for a 12-month subscription, but it might be as simple as one of the presentations. It's just about what is the difference between the acknowledgement of country or a welcome to country. Mm-hmm. And many don't know that there is a vast difference between those two. Yeah. And so this platform just helps to simplify these things, simplifies the questions and helps people to just learn in a safe space. Okay, yeah. So obviously you mentioned at the start there that it's some of things are products and some things you can get sent to you every month or you can do it as an online version. So it's that it's not necessarily about product, but it's about that education piece as well. Yeah, whatever someone's really after. Yeah. And so as a little reference, you know, who should be getting jambies? Like what's a sort of person or group or, you know, who could benefit from getting these this information, these boxes or online service? The honesty is I would say nearly everyone. Anyone who has an interest to learn and understand more, mm-hmm. anyone who wants to just understand the basics of First Nations people, like, you know, what is, why is a central desert community, their cultural background, so vastly different to those of New South Wales and Victoria? Mm. There are differences. And maybe you might not realise them, but there are nuances of it. But the fact is, we've all gone to school and grown up in a system that really hasn't taught us all of that and really hasn't taught us much about the First Nations people. No. But what it has taught us is to have a bias towards First Nations people and the community that they're within. And this is about challenging what we've learnt to challenge our own internal biases towards First Nations people. And I think that's a thing as well, isn't it? Like people... It's, I think you had a quote on one of your, your Jambi's page, like your Instagram, you know, racism is so universal in this country, so widespread and deep-seated that it is invisible because it's so normal and that's from Shirley Chisholm. And that was about America, I think you put on there on the Instagram tile, but it obviously is something that's completely relevant in Australia as well and not obvious to everyone. Obviously, some people don't even think it exists, but clearly it does. And so this is about how to shift that perspective, isn't it? To How to challenge that, as you said, that unconscious bias you may have. And to see things in a way that maybe, like you said, if you don't see racism, but what you might actually start to see is the small little nuances of racism interactions with people yeah, um, around First Nations people. And that's about peeling back those layers. So it's actually... Then you might actually go, oh, hang on. Actually, there is a lot of racism here, but you just have been so customized to it or it doesn't impact you personally. So you never really saw it through that First Nation lens. And this is what Jambies is about. It's about trying to peel back the layers and add that First Nations lens to the world that we live in. Yeah. And as you said, like it's that whole, it can be uncomfortable too. Like, you know, even as I was saying, like, I'm not quite sure if I've said your country correctly. I'm not sure, sure if I've pronounced it right. But it's like having, you've got to start getting uncomfortable and speaking about it or, or attempting to say the things and then being okay with being corrected or how to do this better. Exactly. And that's why we're all about creating that safe space for people to go on their journey, to understand their unconscious bias and to understand the story of First Nations people, because we've got to start having these conversations and we've got to start doing it with empathy on the table so we can actually get some real actions and real change. If we continue to do, to isolate everything, change won't happen. 
Mm-hmm. And as you say, it's talking about it, it's educating yourself, taking that step to see if you're, as you say, challenge that bias. Is it there? Try and create change. And I think one of the things you talked about in Jambies as well is even just will something you learn within, you know, something you've been sent or um, whether it's you're sharing food with people or whether it's sharing one of the stories or, or pieces you've learned about, it's that storytelling too so then you're educating other people at the same time no completely first nation people are the greatest storytellers i personally believe and i think people want to hear more of those stories you know people want to learn more about those stories and that is history so yeah which is what we're hoping jambies will bring the world you know we've started it we're always evolving and i think it'll change over time but that's the beauty of a story too yeah. And so let's talk about mates before dates. This is something you're doing with Deadly Wares. Obviously, you know, looking back to Deadly Wares again, this is something that you have coming out soon. Yeah. So this coming January, January 26, we're really questioning the mateship around Australians through Deadly Wares. We're creating a um, change org petition mm-hmm. because we think well, ultimately Australians, maybe they don't know the full story around Rife, it's significant, why it's so it's not confrontational. Confrontation's not the right word. I think it's just, it's hard. It's a hard date to want to celebrate as a First Nations person because I still, again, go to Jambies. We haven't reconciled our past yet. We haven't mm-hmm. barely acknowledged our past, really, and the truth behind our past. So the question is around Australians, they talk about Australia being built on mateship, but there's really, where's the mateship towards our First Nations people across our country? Where's the empathy? on the table to actually have a meaningful conversation around a date that does remind so many First Nations people of the hardship that happened, what Australia was actually built on. So, yeah, it's about saying, well, are we meant to celebrate a day of genocide or that reminds us of genocide? We don't celebrate the Port Arthur massacre. In actual fact, Australia made a complete and utter change from that massacre and that from that single incident, and we mourn that day in a sense that we mourned what was lost, but we celebrate the change that happened for the better of our community. We don't do that for First Nations people. In actual fact, it's more of an us versus them kind of conversation. So really, you know, we wouldn't do that to our mates. And so what is Mates Before Dates like? So people can find that on the change.org. I can link that in the show notes. Yes, they will be able to find all of that and we'll have it on our website and definitely all across our socials. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this here today, Catherine. I really appreciate your time. So if people want to support Deadly Wares, obviously they can find that on Instagram at, and I'll link it all in the show notes and everything, deadly.wares. And then Jambies is jambies underscore in underscore a underscore box and people can find about that there have a look at whether they want to support first nations businesses and they want to get products sent to them every month or they can buy a one-off gift box or they can obviously start looking at getting an online subscription to get education and information sent to them regularly as well really appreciate you being here today and sharing your journey and all the different things that you're doing and all the different ways that you're trying to impact change and create that greater allyship. Excellent. Thanks, Mel, for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Lotco Business Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe to receive future episodes as they are released. And I'd be so, so grateful for a review on Apple Podcast. 
If you would like a copy of the show notes or any of the links mentioned today, please jump onto my website at thelotco.com.au forward slash podcast. Have an amazing week and I look forward to chatting to you again soon. 